Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis. The best interviews. The best coverage. And no one delivers like the Big Show Radio Network. Yeah, the demands, the expectations from Packers fans are indeed very high, and they should be, especially for a team like this, who continues to check all the boxes. Welcome in. It is the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer here on the big show, Radio Network. I'm Radio Joe Zenzola. Thanks for joining me tonight. Getting you ready for Packers and Rams. And I, again, I'm gonna I'm probably gonna slip up at least once or twice tonight because I'm so trained to say in Sunday. I know the Packers played the Panthers on a Saturday not too long ago, but it's still hard for me to say that the Packers are not playing on a Sunday. They're playing Saturday. Saturday afternoon. The weather right now up in Green Bay at last check is uh, supposed to be a high of 35, mainly cloudy, with some snow showers in the morning. So that's where we are right now. Fluid situation. It could always change, but it will be cold and the Rams will certainly not be prepared for it tonight on the panel. Third time these uh, distinguished gentlemen have been on this year, and we always appreciate it from PackerReport.com and from the Packaday podcast. We have Andy Herman and Ross Uglum again together. Gentlemen, Andy, how are you this evening? I am doing great. Thanks so much, Radio Joe. Appreciate uh, you having us on. Of course, Ross. Always a pleasure, too. How are you? I'm doing well. We uh, we certainly appreciate you having us on and excited to talk some playoff football. Well, before we get into the nit and gritty, because, I mean, we got two hours here to talk Packers-Rams, um, I want to go back to this super wildcard weekend that we had uh, over the weekend with the six games that we saw. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and break down each game, but... Um, I do want to get your thoughts on maybe your biggest takeaway for both of you. And Andy, I'll start with you. Like b- between the six games, what was the biggest thing that really stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, I thought you know, first of all, the the Saints really having no issue with the the Bears whatsoever. I thought that was certainly a comfortable win. It, it never seemed like the Saints were totally in rhythm uh, throughout the entirety of the game, but they also handled that game you know through and through with the Bears never giving them any ounce of uh, an upset whatsoever. So I thought that was certainly a big takeaway. 
Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think overall things kind of went as expected, but uh, it just kind of, it, it stood out to me how that, that happened. And then really the Rams having John Wolford start the game and then Jared Goff coming in cold with the injured thumb and really Seattle not being any match for them the entirety of that game. I, I thought if Goff started that game that the Rams were going to win because I liked the matchup for them over the the Seahawks, but you know, with Wolford starting, I never thought, you know, it was really going to be close. I thought Seattle would win it easy. And then they injure Wolford and Goff comes in and the Rams get the win. And of course now Green Bay will face the Rams. So I think those were the two big takeaways for me. Ross, how about you? What was your biggest takeaway or takeaways from this past weekend? Uh, just kind of how uh, unimpressed I was with Seattle, you know, that was there for the taking for them. And, uh, you know, as Andy mentioned with the quarterback situation, uh, I, I was really shocked. And then the other thing, um, that I really noticed or that I felt was watching green Bay and new Orleans play Chicago in back-to-back weeks. Um, I, f- I feel like there's a, still a pretty decent gap in quality between the Packers and saints. I think the Packers are a decidedly better team than the saints. I think new Orleans defense is a little bit better, but um, watching New Orleans kind of struggle with Chicago's D in a dome uh, and, and watching the Packers cut through it like, you know, a, a hot knife through butter twice outside. Um, like I said, I, I really think that that kind of, it sort of affirmed for me what I, what I've thought over the second half of the season after the defense has kind of picked up their end of the bargain is that if things go the way they should, Green Bay will play in the Super Bowl. Well, it it definitely feels that way after what I saw, at least. And I mean, really, when we're looking at how everyone performed this past weekend, it just felt like the Packers rode to the Super Bowl, not to mention being able to be at Lambeau Field, you know, hopefully for the next two games here. It did make things a little bit easier, didn't it, Andy? Like, didn't it just tell you that it's like, man, as long as the Packers don't shoot themselves in the foot and just continue to do what they've been doing... I, I think we have to feel a little bit more confident that the Packers can get to Tampa here when it's all said and done. As far as the NFC goes, to me, it's it's the Packers to lose. And uh, the, the the biggest threat to the Packers right now is the Packers, or I guess maybe COVID. But outside of those two things, I, I feel like Green Bay can stick with any of the, the teams in the NFC and is going to be favored in any of those matchups, especially playing at the, the friendly confines of Lambeau Field. And I know home field advantage hasn't been the same in these playoffs or in this season so far. In fact, the road teams have won both more in the regular season and in the first round of the playoffs. But uh, I still feel like that, that home field advantage advantage is a little bit different for Green Bay. Obviously the weather and the cold all play a part. And, um, you know, especially if you're a team from LA having to come to Green Bay, that certainly is going to be a factor, but um, I just really like the matchups that Green Bay has. I know that they lost to Tampa Bay earlier this season, but I, I think that was uh, a very fluky game, and I don't see that script playing out the same way. Um, I like their matchup against New Orleans, and I really like the matchup this week against L.A. So, uh, yeah, I, I still feel like the biggest threat to Green Bay is themselves, and as long as they don't shoot themselves in the foot, I'm right there with you, Joe. I think this is a, a real great opportunity for Green Bay to get to Tampa Bay. You know what? I was going to bring this up later on, but since we're kind of on the topic, and again, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We don't want to get too cocky. We don't want to get too overconfident. But like between Tampa Bay and New Orleans, who would you guys rather face? Like Ross, I mean, we saw what the Packers did to the Saints in week three. We saw the Packers get annihilated in a very weird and freakish game against Tampa down in Tampa. So when you're looking at it now, both of these teams come to Lambeau. The Packers went to their places. Now they're coming up here. Who would you rather deal with? 
Uh, for me, even though, I mean, that seems like the easy answer because of the way the two games went, but it's still uh, New Orleans for me. I think Breeze shows more signs of age right now than Brady does, even though I think he's actually technically younger. Um, I think his arm, you, you can notice the velocity lost. I don't think uh, at his age or Brady's age, frankly, but at his age, I don't think he wants any part of Lambeau Field, uh, especially a week from you know this weekend where it, is going to get deeper into January and probably even worse. Uh, and and the other way is just, you know, they, they match up, in my opinion, better with New Orleans. Uh, I know that the Packers didn't have Devonta Adams and New Orleans didn't have Michael Thomas, but New Orleans uh, is very much a structure-based offense and kind of the way that Green Bay's is where uh, they don't have, besides Kamara, and of course, you know, Green Bay has Jones, but in the passing game, there's not a secondary target where you're like, oh, my God, this guy. You know, Emmanuel Sanders hasn't been the Emmanuel Sanders he was with the 49ers. So if you put Michael Thomas on Jair Island, uh, I think it's a lot different than, you know, the Bucks if they ever get to full strength with Gronk and Godwin and Antonio Brown and Mike Evans and, you know, Ronald Jones. Like They come at you a lot more different ways, whereas with the Saints, you know, Michael Thomas goes to Jair Island. I like Green Bay's matchup plus the uh, the linebackers, you know, gave gave Green Bay trouble last year heading downhill and, and blitzing. And um, they've got power pass rushers that I think are a little bit more scary to Green Bay than speed pass rushers. So uh, even though, you know, the number two seed is New Orleans, I think I'd still rather see New Orleans. Well, and that's just the thing. I mean, those are a lot of great points there when we talk about the New Orleans Saints here and the differences between that offense and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. Isn't there a part of you, though, Andy, that almost wants that rematch between the Packers and Buccaneers? Like, bring bring Tampa up here. The one thing, though, that is going to be similar is Tom Brady is used to cold weather because of all of his time in New England. So, it's everyone else's that would have to deal with it. Would you want to see that rematch, or do you agree with Ross that you'd just rather see New Orleans? I agree with Ross that I think New Orleans is the the better matchup for Green Bay, and I, I'm with Ross also in the fact that I think Drew Brees's arm is what really kind of swings it in the favor. I, I just think Tom Brady does a little bit better um, in the cold weather, and I think his arm is just a little bit more attached at this point than Drew Brees's is. And uh, I do think you know New Orleans could get a little bit more one dimensional, where they're having to do a lot of short and intermediate passing, a lot of checkdowns, and maybe not push the ball downfield quite as much. With Brady, I think with those trio of wide receivers and Gronk, you know, we saw him develop, uh, you know, throw a couple of really great balls to Gronk in that game earlier this season. I think that just gives me a little bit more pause for concern. And I think also the the Tampa Bay defense and what they were able to do against Green Bay in the first game uh, certainly does that as well. So I do think New Orleans is the better matchup. But, you know, the thing for me, and and maybe I'm the, the weird one here, but at some point when you go through a Super Bowl type journey, there is going to be some level of um, obstacle that you have to overcome along the way. And whether that's a team that you lost to earlier in the season, whether that's being down at some point, like you're going to have to face the best of the best. You're going to have to face adversity. You're going to have be down at some point in some game and you're gonna have to overcome it. And I think that almost is what makes it special. If you go out and win a Super Bowl, it's if the same team won, or if you just blew, you know, breeze through the Super Bowl, sure. Great. You get the ring and stuff, but you know, it's the journey that kind of makes it magical. So whether that's another win against the saints at Lambeau field and finishing off Drew Brees in his career, whether that's overcoming Tom Brady and making up for a game that you lost early in the season, whether that's having to beat Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, like whatever that is, this is not going to be an easy journey starting with this week. And I'm just excited to see how green Bay navigates all these different challenges, no matter who's out on 
on the field. Well, regardless of what happens, there will be storylines galore as we go along here. He is Andy Herman of PackerReport.com and the Pack-A-Day podcast. And also from the same platform is Ross Uglum joining me here on The Huddle, presented by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Later on in the show, we will make our picks for the divisional games in the NFC and the AFC, so stay tuned for that. But coming up on the other side, we'll talk about the news that came out uh, with Jared Veld here because it was like, okay, the Packers signed him, more depth, great. But then the bad news came around a couple days later. So we'll assess all of that and look at this offensive line a little bit closer. Coming up on the other side, that is next. Border to Border, the Big Show Radio Network. Coach, at the risk of creating Veldeer Watch, how did Jared look yesterday? Yeah, no, I thought he did a nice job yesterday, and um, but it was primarily walkthrough, so it's, it was really tough to evaluate that in, in one walkthrough setting. So we'll just, you know, we'll play it day by day and, and see where he's at. Well, things got a little awkward, and Jared Valdir, after bringing him in from the Indianapolis Colts, the Packers found a loophole, which is always nice. Uh, he tested positive for COVID. And based on all the news we've seen today, it looks like that no other Packer has tested positive, knock on wood. They did all the contract tracing. Everything seems to be fine. That was Matt LaFleur there. Welcome back. The huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer continues on. I'm Radio Joe Zanzola. Thanks for joining me tonight alongside from PackerReport.com, Andy Herman and Ross Uglum. So Valdir comes in. We just went through all of this that this is really unfortunate for him. He's not going to be able to play this week because of his positive test. It doesn't appear that it's impacted anyone else on this offensive line or anyone else on this team. So it, it, for right now, I mean, hopefully, assuming the Packers can beat the Rams, that maybe we can see Veldir maybe as soon as next week. I don't know. My question, though, is this, and we were talking a little bit about this today on the Wendy's Big Show, and Leroy Butler jumped on. And Leroy made the point that, you know, why why break up what you had? Why why add to what you already had? This offensive line was a pretty good group. Even without David Bakhtiari, you really didn't need Jared Veld here. And now all of a sudden, you've kind of endangered the rest of the team. Ross, I'll start with you on this. Did the Packers really need Jared Veld here? Or was this just sort of like an extra little luxury because Brian Gutekunst found the loophole? Oh, I, I think they did. I mean, I... I look the COVID thing is just it's unfortunate. I don't think it's anybody being irresponsible or, uh, you know, like you call it endangering. I I just think it's 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 crap luck. It's it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but they were full stop. My opinion, one injury away from disaster. Um, I think one is fine because then you can kind of plug, in my opinion, John Runyon Jr. in wherever. Uh, except center, then you'd you'd have Patrick play center and and you know JRJ do whatever because Turner can play every spot basically uh, except center and and they're very versatile and very good in that way. But uh, you have a two injury game and and it starts to get really dicey because Stepaniak never really made it. Uh, Yosh Nijman, I don't know as though they're crazy uh, ready for him to play in a playoff game. 
I think it was a brilliant move because in my opinion, it moved, it put them two injuries away from disaster. Uh, you could lose, say that you lose Lindsley and Patrick. That's a bad example. Cause then you'd be out of a center, but say you lose, uh, you know, Lindsley and Turner. Okay. Well then you, you know, probably have Veldier play left tackle and Patrick slides over and Runyon plays one of the guard spots. Uh, they, they would have had five functional offensive linemen. And it's so important. Uh, you see teams that, you know, have tackles that need help on every play or have tackles that just can't stay in front of the guy. And, and uh, we will learn last year that Veldier is not one of those guys. He can stay in front of guys. He played fine as, as uh, Andy pointed out and a phenomenal grading the pack piece on packerreport.com that he was, he was fine. And, and fine is very, very valuable because there are a lot of even playoff teams that have offensive linemen that are not fine. And so uh, I think to grab him as just flat out like injury protection, uh, you know, something awful happens to Rick Wagner, bang, veld here. Like it, I think after the Bakhtiari injury, he was necessary. Andy, yeah. let me, let me, I'll let you um, jump on what Ross just said here in a sec, but I'm also curious from you, like what, you know, is fine good enough? Would Jared Valdir, assuming he didn't test positive, could he have been on this starting offensive line this Saturday? Yeah, well, I'll start by saying I'm in lockstep with Ross on this one. And well, you know, Leroy Butler will certainly forget more about football than I'll probably ever know. I'm going <laughs> to use it old Mike McCarthyism and say, I think it's a little bit of a polluted mindset to think that, you know, upgrading your team at this late in the season, uh, it would be any sort of a downside, especially when everyone's going through protocols 365 throughout the NFL. He tested negative in Indy before the games while he was still there, comes to Green Bay, tests negative again, and you still have all the protocols in place, even if he does come in and somebody does ultimately have a positive. That's why you you still have all the protocols and, you know, thankfully they got through all the contact tracing without having any um, other people having to sit out this week, but uh, that's why all that stuff's in place. So it, Brian Gutekunst talks all the time about roster building being a 365 day a year job. And this is just a perfect example of that. And, you know, whether this happened in a, a preseason or in a postseason, your job as a GM is to constantly upgrade the roster. And that's exactly what he did. And I agree with Ross, like this, this is a, a major depth piece that would have really helped the Packers should an injury happen along the offensive line or again, heaven forbid should two injuries happen. So um, it's a bummer that he's not able to play. And I also think it gets like, you know, you brought up the, the term loophole, like everyone throughout the history of, of playoff football has been able, well, at least since the practice squads have been around, have been able to sign players off of practice squads. That's nothing new. They didn't find a loophole here. The only difference this year is that the fact that the Colts were actually able to play him off of the practice squad. Right. So was a practice squad player that the Packers signed off. They could have signed any other practice square squad player from any other team. And it wouldn't have even, you know, been a blip on the radar. Um, it's just the fact that the Colts decided to activate him last week and actually play him in a game, which is why it's a unique circumstance. So th what they did isn't technically anything new. It's just new that he actually played in a playoff game the week before. So I thought this was a brilliant move by Brian Gutekunst using every Avenue to improve your team. And with Ross, just bad luck. And to answer your question, Joe, I don't think he would have started this week. I don't think they would have messed up with the cohesiveness of this offensive line. And it certainly would have been a really tough pill to swallow for probably Lucas Patrick would have been the odd man out who has mostly been playing good football all season to basically get replaced from a guy who got brought on the team on Tuesday uh, to play in a Saturday game. I think that would have been a tough pill to swallow and, and just getting to know, uh, you know, the players around you and things like that. But 
to, I, I definitely think that he would have been the first guy up off the bench. And I think the versatility of guys like Jenkins and Patrick and Turner that Ross mentioned goes a really long way in being able to kind of move pieces around as, as you need, you know, as you need uh, to in that situation. But uh, I thought this was a great move and it just ended up unfortunately not working out. Well, let's take Jared Valdir out of the equation here for a second. And let's just say that this starting five that's coming in on Saturday against the Rams, you know, Ross, is this do, do you, how comfortable? I mean, we don't have David Bakhtiar anymore. We have to deal with that. But with this offensive line right now, assuming that there aren't any other injuries that happen, God forbid, do you think this line is good enough to sustain all the way into the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean they're they're fine. They're not as good as they probably would have been with David Bakhtiar. I think that's pretty pretty obvious and, and it's very easy. obvious. You know, pretty easy to stay. It pretty easy to say, but yes, um, you know, it's it, it's interesting because you look at the way these other teams are constructed, and it doesn't change a lot about about blocking the the Rams. Uh, Sebastian Joseph Day and Aaron Donald are are the issues. Uh, you know, the edge defenders um, are are fine. You know, I, I think um, Quinn has, or excuse me, Leonard Floyd who took over for Quinn in that weird like flip-flop thing uh, has, has been fine. You know, he has uh, just looking at pro football focus. He's got 45 pressures, which isn't an okay number, but you're, you're not terrified of, of Leonard Floyd, I don't think. And uh, you're not going to really block the interior any different than you were going to before. If that makes sense, you're, you're still going to have the guys there blocking Donald um, and Joseph, day like the same way that um you know the same day that the same way you would have before and so um i i for this specific matchup it's fine and honestly too like chicago's one of the best 10 defenses in the league probably one of the best six defenses in the league you didn't really see much of a drop off in that game either nope nope you're absolutely right and andy let, let's talk about aaron donald let's get into this my guess is he's probably going to be lining up a lot on Lucas Patrick, and there's no way that you're just going to let Aaron Donald go up against Lucas Patrick. Lucas Patrick is going to get help. But what I'm also curious about is could they move Aaron Donald all over the place, or do you think they should just exploit that one weakness right there with Lucas Patrick? Yeah, I think the thing that makes Aaron Donald so special is I'm not sure that Aaron Donald cares too much who the heck's across from him. Right. And I think he's going to feel like he can win that matchup no matter what. That being said, you're always looking for the path of least resistance, right? And that's probably going to be Lucas Patrick. It certainly seems like Aaron Donald prefers playing a little bit um, on the right side of the defense and more likely, you know, lining up against Elton Jenkins a little bit more than maybe Lucas Patrick. But again, you got to think that the Rams are going to scheme him to be on Patrick as much as possible. Um, I also do think that we're going to see Donald move around a bit. I wouldn't even, it wouldn't even shock me if we saw him play a little bit on the edges and maybe test out Billy Turner and Rick Wagner out on the sides uh, to see what they're capable of matching up with against Aaron Donald. Uh, but I do think you're going to see primarily him uh, over either Elton Jenkins or Lucas Patrick. And then, then that's where kind of the chess game starts to be, you know, begin. If, if the Rams are bringing four, well, you can bet that Corey Lindsley at center is going to be helping on the side that Aaron Donald's on. You can bet that the Rams are going to be running some twists and stunts to make things not quite as cut and dry and make it more difficult 
to figure out where Aaron Donald's going to come from. You know, it, it, it sometimes is a lot easier to keep an extra tight end or chip with a running back if he's on the edge. So you're going to probably see him attacking more from the inside, which makes that tougher on Green Bay. So it also wouldn't shock me to see LA bringing some five-man rushes to try to get one-on-one specifically with Aaron Donald matched up in a favorable matchup like against Lucas Patrick. So those are all the games within the games within the games. And it's going to be really interesting. And of course, we don't even know just how you know effective Aaron Donald's going to be. We know he's going to play. We know he's going to be good. Is he, you know, Hall of Fame, all pro Aaron Donald? Is he, you know, still one of the best defensive linemen in Aaron Donald? Or is he maybe just a shell of himself because of that injury? That's certainly going to be something that is going to be noteworthy as this game first kicks off. Well, and I'd like to think too, I mean, all the reports with Aaron Donald right now, they say he's ready to go. He He's, he's, he's going to be 100%, blah, blah, blah. But Aaron Donald is the best of the best on Really, when it comes to defensive players, he is the best defensive player in the National Football League. So this kind of goes back to the question I threw at Ross. I mean, if you're able to contain Aaron Donald and you're able to contain this Rams defensive front where you're not giving up a ton of pressures, maybe you give up a sack or two sacks, something that's not the end of the world. I think you have to fully trust this offensive line now for the rest of the season, because I think if you can get past this front, you can get past anybody. Yeah. And going off of that, I I think there's two different things here. So I think what Ross mentioned about the bears game, I think if green Bay is able to play within the confines of their offense, you're going to see the drop off from David Bakhtiari to Billy Turner and the rest of the subs across the offensive line have a minimal impact. I think, you know, green Bay's offense forces the opposing defenses to think so incredibly much throughout the course of a game where like you literally see them almost pause and think at times there was a specifically a play with Danny Trevathan that uh, Ben Fennell had pointed out where there's double motion and Danny Trevathan might as well have been in quicksand at about the 35 yard line because he was not moving as Aaron Jones was starting to run right past him. Like there's so much that defenses have to think about that where I get concerned and where I think this could ultimately be a weak spot is if you get into a point where second half, fourth quarter, and you're down 10 points and the other team knows that you're passing and the other you know team can tee off on the offensive line and your receivers just have to win their one-on-ones on the outside. At that point, that to me is where this David Bakhtiari injury starts to come into play much, much more. And there's no jet motion. There's no play action. There's no orbit. Nobody cares about anything else. They know you're in 11 personnel and you're going to be passing and you just have to go out and block the person in front of you and win your routes on the outside, knowing that they're going to be taking away Devontae Adams. So in those situations, especially, you know, potentially against players like a Cam Jordan, a Jason Pierre-Paul, a Shaq Barrett, like those are the situations where I think this David Bakhtiari injury could manifest itself and be an issue. If Green Bay's playing within the confines of its offense, I, I'm with Ross. I, I think they can easily get by, and especially with Rodgers getting the ball out of his hands so quickly. Well, let's talk about that Packer offense going up against that Ram defense coming up uh, on Saturday. He is Andy Herman. You can follow him on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Also alongside from PackerReport.com, like Andy Herman, is Ross Uglum, and you can follow Ross on Twitter at Ross Uglum. I'm at Radio Joe Sports. We will have more of the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good, coming up next here on the Big Show Radio Network. 16 stations strong, the Big Show Radio Network. wouldn't mind it, you know, I, I don't, as long as it's not too much snow. You know, I ain't playing the snow game since I was about seven years old, so um, it would have been a long time, but I feel good. The way I'm feeling right now, I'm not too worried about it. All I can tell you right now, I feel good, I feel strong, and I'll be ready come Saturday. 
Well, there you go. That is from the man himself, Aaron Donald, who we've talked a lot about so far here on The Huddle, served up by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Thanks for tuning in tonight, wherever you may be, across the great state of Wisconsin or on the free radio.com app. I'm Radio Joe Zenzola, alongside my guest tonight on the panel, Andy Herman of PackerReport.com, and from the same very platform, his fellow colleague, Ross Uglum. So let's talk more about this matchup here. You've got the top offense in the league in the Packers. You've got the top-rated defense in the league in the Rams. This is obviously a matchup that we really, really are all paying attention to, and obviously there is so many more specific matchups inside of that. Um, Ross, I'll start with you. When we talk about specific matchups, what is the most intriguing specific matchup that stands out for you? I think that I'm just going to go with the obvious one, which is uh, Adams versus um, Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a, it's a bit of a cop out, but at the same time, I think the most interesting thing to me is going to be, um, can Adams beat him? Because I think he can, and I think he will. I don't. Uh, I think Jalen Ramsey's a very, very, very good player, but uh, in in this league, with the way that the rules are, normally, good offense beats good defense, just because. And then this is a guy I think with six or seven penalties this season, Jalen Ramsey. Um, I I just don't think he's going to be able to play physically enough to take away Adams in the way that, you know, some even prominent national people are saying, like using the words lock down, shut down, things like that. Like I just I do not see that happening. I do I think Adams and Rogers are too good uh, at this point in the career. And I'll be honestly too interested to see. Um, with the way that that the the Rams use uh, Darius Williams and, and Troy Hill, you know the Packers don't just line up Devonte Adams at the X every time and and let him rock. Like there are going to be times when Green Bay moves Adams into the slot, and then if Ramsey just continues to follow him all over the uh, the, the field, you you could get into a situation where you know Darius Williams is in a little bit of a mismatch on the outside with an Alan Lazard, or they get. Uh, you know, maybe even Jordan Fuller matched up with uh, MVS. I mean, there are matchups that that work in the Packers' favor if they are going to, you know, slide Ramsey all over the field and, and have him follow Adams. Andy, what say you? Most intriguing specific matchup when we're talking about the Packer offense going up against the Ram defense. Yeah, so from a, a Packers offense versus the Rams defense, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, obviously the, the Elton Jenkins, Corey Lindsley versus um, Aaron Donald is, is probably the other, you know, easy one that's uh, maybe a little bit basic. But uh, we talked a lot about Aaron Donald versus Lucas Patrick, but I want to see just how much these two, you know, Pro Bowl caliber offensive linemen can kind of hold their own again. And you know that they're going to take it very personally. You know, Corey Lindsley is going to be, you know, super motivated in this game to, to show up against Donald. Same thing with Elton Jenkins. So uh, that's certainly one that's going to stand out. And then um, I really kind of want to see how the Packers can, you know, kind of work their offense around these Rams linebackers. If you look at some of the games that the Packers have struggled with, it's really been a lot of times uh, due to some of the linebacker play that the Tampa Bay game was the obvious definition of that with Levante David and Devin White giving them problems. Uh, Eric Hendricks for the Vikings gave them problems in their, their you know, that loss. So um, I definitely think that that's been a little bit of a theme and the, the Rams don't really have great linebackers. I think Micah Kaiser, Troy Reader, Kenny Young, those type of 
of guys. I, I think you can find some mismatches. I'd be interested to see if Green Bay goes in some two running back sets, uh, maybe some some two tight end sets, maybe um, even see Jay Sternberger active to try to take uh, you know take advantage of that, or maybe even it's just Dominique Daphne. Like I'm going to be really interested to see how Green Bay schemes up some of those plays against some of those Rams linebackers. Andy, I want to keep it with you because you've been harping on this all week on social media, and I, I was. I wanted to make sure we touched on this because you were making the point that, you know, when it comes to preparing for a team, especially an offense like the Packers, preparing for a defense like the Rams, you've been harping on this all week that the Packers shouldn't be trying to, you know, figure out their game plan against what this Rams defense is going to throw. It should be the other way around that the Rams defense should be the one that should be preparing for what the Packers offense is going to throw. Um, can you elaborate more on that? Yeah, I just think, I think when you're the Packers and you have the offense that you have, I think you start off by running your stuff. And I get that Aaron Donald can rock a game, but you know, Khalil Mack's a really darn good football player. And you know, it's not like we were having these conversations before the bear game, bear game saying, how in the heck are the Packers going to be able to block up Khalil Mack? Like it, it's, it's kind of a similar sort of situation, but you know, nobody had this, you know, innate fear of Khalil Mack the way that they did Aaron Donald. And I think, yes, Aaron Donald's going to make a couple big plays in this game. I think that's probably a foregone conclusion, but he's not going to wreck the, you know, 65 or other so snaps uh, that green Bay is having on offense. And to Ross's point from earlier, I actually almost like it if, if the fact that if the, if the Rams come out and say, you know what, we're just going to single cover Devontae Adams because we've got Jalen Ramsey and we don't have to worry about that. I love that mindset if that's the mindset that they go with because what, what Devontae Adams wins with is savvy at the line of scrimmage. And yeah, Jalen Ramsey likes to get his hands on, on you know, receivers at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Devontae Adams doesn't pretty much allow anyone to get their hands on him at the line of scrimmage. And if they think that that's going to work, that, that that's fine. But I think Green Bay has got to be able to go out, run their offense, let Devontae cook, um, you know, run the ball with Aaron Jones, do all the things that have made you successful for 16 games this season and do that first. And I'm not saying don't have a contingency. I'm not saying don't game plan for the Rams, uh, but don't worry so much about Donald and Ramsey and this Rams defense that you go, you know, you lose your identity on offense and get away from some of the stuff that's made you such a potent offense scoring basically 30 points a game in almost every game this season, do that first. And then if that doesn't work, then go to some of your contingency plans and attack some of the specific things that the Rams want to do. But I'd be very hesitant to get away from some of the things that made you such a powerhouse on offense all season long. Well, and let's talk about this scenario here because I personally, I do not expect Devonte Adams to get neutralized by Jalen Ramsey. I think Ramsey, though, can contain Devontae Adams to where he's not going to have over 100 receiving yards and however so many catches, which then goes to other options. Ross, we've seen MVS all year long. We've seen the good MVS. We've seen the bad MVS. Are we at the point where we can say that MVS is who he is right now, that he's going to have some big plays, the speed is there, it's just the hands, that there's going to be days where he's going to make the big play and catch it, and there's other days it's going to go right through his hands. Are you there with MVS, or do you still think he can be a more consistent weapon for Aaron Rodgers? I mean, I think at some point, yeah, but if he made every catch, you know, with his athletic ability, he would have been a first or a second round pick. There had to have been some wart or a guy that's six three and runs a four three flat would have been picked higher than he was you know the, the guy at that point is not going to be a perfect prospect um i, I think that you know he's fine you get 700 yards and six touchdowns out of a 
you know, wide receiver three, and you feel pretty darn good about that. And I think, you know, you're right to kind of have reservations or fears with, with uh, Valdez Scantling because yeah, there, there might come a spot in these playoffs where he drops a must have, but at the same time, there might be a spot in these playoffs where green Bay is up six in the third quarter and he catches an 18 yard touchdown to put them up 13 and, and you, you feel pretty good about that. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right in that. I would not anticipate, um, you know, him to go on some like vision quest thing where he catches six balls for 150 yards, three straight games, and they win the title. No, I, I don't see that either. Andy, what about you? Have you kind of accepted the fact that this is who MVS is or is there more to that? Do you agree with what Ross thinks about what MVS is, especially after he was drafted where he was? Yeah, I think there's a, a ceiling that MVS still has that he hasn't reached yet, and I'm not ready to give up on it 110%. But I do believe that for the time being, nothing should shock you out of MVS. He is who he is. He's a wild card. He's one of the few wild cards really on this entire Packers offense. Everyone else really, you know, hums along with some level of consistency and reliability. And then you've got MVS who is going to give you some of the more spectacular plays that anyone's providing on the field at any given moment. And maybe some of the the bigger errors or, or mistakes at any given moment. And I do think that when MVS is asked to be wide receiver one, wide receiver two, whether it be due to injuries or whatever the case may be, I think that's where he gets into a little bit more trouble. And when you start being able to have him just as a wide receiver three, maybe 45 snaps a game, you know, maybe three targets, three to four targets at most. I think there's a, a really nice, you know, role for MBS to play in that situation. I think if you're counting on him and relying on him and having him be a big part of your game plan, that's probably a mistake. And I, I would love to have a day and a time where that's not the case and where you can go out and trust him to be a big part of your game plan. But I just don't think that he's proven that through three years um, through really, you know, Mike McCarthy's, you know, first season, you know, you go back, he started having a role on that team and then was benched by the end of the year, year two, Matt LaFleur started to have a big role, was kind of benched by the end of this year. And year three, I don't think that that's going to happen because he's really rounded out a lot of the other parts of his game, including his blocking and including his route running. But I think if you have to have him be anything more than wide receiver three, I think it's just asking a bit much of him at this point. He's Andy Herman of PackerReport.com, and also from PackerReport.com is Ross Uglum. It's the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. I'm Radio Joe. Coming up on the other side, we'll look at one other aspect of the Packers' offense going up against the Rams' defense, the Packers' run game. We'll talk about that coming up next. Wisconsin-wide, the Big Show Radio Network. When you get in a situation there's eight teams left, every team is good. And I'd say all of them have really good defenses too. So there's no cakewalks. There's no easy games. Um, it comes down to execution and, and the little things that we talk about all the time. You know, we always talk about starting fast. We've done a good job at that scoring on the first possession of many games this season, uh, which would definitely uh, help us on, on uh, Saturday. But we know it's going to be a, uh, a game that's going to go the distance. You know that guy. That is number 12, Aaron Rodgers of your Green Bay Packers. Welcome back. The huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Just a couple of minutes before the top of the hour. We still have another hour to go here on the show. I'm Radio Joe alongside Andy Herman and Ross Uglum. So I'll ask this question to both of you. And Ross, I'll start with you. We talk about the running game. We didn't see much of A.J. Dillon in that game against the Bears. You had three healthy running backs. 
Do you think the Packers could use more of A.J. Dillon in this game against the Rams? Ross? Andy, are you there? I am. Can you oh, hear me? Yes. Andy, All right, I'll, ask, I'll ask you, uh, A.J. Dillon, how do you see him fitting in this game coming up against the Rams? Yeah, it's funny. If interesting, you know, interestingly enough, if anything, I'd almost go in the opposite direction. I think this is a time to really see your superstars out on the field. And I know there's kind of this overarching feeling, both from you know Mike McCarthy and then you know from Matt Lafleur of maybe not wanting to give Aaron Jones too many carries during the course of a regular season, so you can kind of keep them healthy for a stretch run. Well, this is the stretch run. This is the playoffs, and I think you're going to want Aaron Jones on the field as much as possible, not to necessarily have him wear down at the end of games, but this is the type of game where Aaron Jones, you know, in certain matchups in this game, whether, as I mentioned before, you're getting running backs matched up on linebackers or anything like that. Um, those are definitely areas where I think Green Bay can exploit in this game. So if anything, I almost want to see more Aaron Jones. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out. I have no idea if we still have Ross or not. Uh, keep in mind, all of our guests each week here on the huddle are on Zoom. So sometimes we have these little issues. So I, I, I don't know, but I'm here. Uh, I'm here. I we just had a, a lack of unmuting. <laughs> okay. Well, that, yeah. that, that is normal. Ross, we only have like 20, 30 seconds. Do you expect AJ Dillon to be used at all in this game coming up on Saturday? I, I sure hope so. I think he's their best power back. Um, I love Jamal Williams, but I think he's better suited in like that Brandon Jackson role where he's doing an excellent job as a receiver out of the backfield or, or as a pass blocker. I just think he's been a more efficient runner in 2020 so I, I would hope so well it'll be interesting to see he is ross uglum andy herman both of packerreport.com coming up after the top of the hour you know we always talk about kyle shanahan he's the innovator and sean mcveigh he's the innovator when are we gonna start talking about matt lafleur as an innovator i mean yeah he learned some stuff from those guys but can we say he's his own man now we will talk about that coming up on the other side here on the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Thanks for tuning in tonight, Wisconsin. Another hour coming up right after this. You're listening to the Big Show Radio Network. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis. The best interviews. The best coverage, and no one delivers like the Big Show Radio Network. Number two of the huddles served up by Bud Light Seltzer. Thanks for tuning in, Wisconsin, wherever you may be tonight. I'm Radio Joe Zanzola. Just a couple of days away from kickoff, we are just anticipating this big NFC divisional game between the Green Bay Packers and the L.A. Rams at Lambeau Field. And we continue on here on the panel 
from PackerReport.com, Andy Herman, and also from PackerReport.com, Ross Uglum. We got a lot to get to here in the second hour, and coming up in a little bit, we will talk more about this Packer defense going up against the Rams' offense and whether or not there's anything to be scared about when it comes to Jared Goff, as the Rams announced earlier today that he will be the starting quarterback as John Wolford is out with an injury. But first, I want to get into something, guys, and th- this is something I'm very curious about picking your brains. You know, Matt LaFleur has done more than an incredible job here in the last two years for the Green Bay Packers, being able to just change this offense around and being able to get so much success. The one aspect of this is we talk about Sean McVay all the time as this great innovator of offense, as you know, the modern-day NFL continues to evolve, and we look at McVay. We look at Kyle Shanahan as another guy, modern-day innovator to the offense. Matt LaFleur has studied from both, and even more so from Kyle Shanahan. The one difference with Matt LaFleur and the other two guys is Those two coaches have been able to get to a Super Bowl. Matt LaFleur hasn't been able to do that, and granted, it's only a second year. My my question is this to both of you, and Ross, I'll start with you. Do you think it is fair to say that Matt LaFleur has kind of come out of that shadow and he is his own innovator, or is getting to the Super Bowl kind of the key to say that's what's going to separate him from those other two guys? Yeah, I... It's tough because I think he's his own innovator. Um, my, uh, I'm a member of the Pro Football Writers Association. He got my vote for Coach of the Year. Uh, I think he's done that much for Rodgers. I think he's done that much for the Packers culture. Uh, and and honestly, there are there are stark contrasts between, uh, you know, the way he runs it, it being kind of that, uh, you know, outside zone until it's not outside zone type of offense and he does absolutely run it in a different way than, than Kyle Shanahan does. He runs it in a different way than Sean McVay does, but uh, it, it has, you know, bones in, in that offense, of course, but uh, I, I just think he's, he's done so well. And uh, 26 and six, it's just a ridiculous yeah. uh, amount of games to win as a rookie head coach. Um, I, I don't think he's in anybody's shadow. And I think if, if uh, something fluky happens, you know, and they lose on Saturday, nothing, nothing about that changes to me. Um, I, I don't think that he needs to be validated in the postseason. Would he, it, would it be great if he wins the title? Yeah. And, and I think actually he will win a championship as coach of the Packers before he's done. But um, I, I don't think he needs further validation. You, you don't just go 26 and six and, uh, you know, still be playing in the final eight, both of your first two years and be considered, you know, part of the tree being part of the tree is fine. It's great that he's a part of the Shanahan McVay tree. That's, that's fine. Everybody comes from somewhere, you know, um, Holmgren was, was part of Bill Walsh's tree and then Holmgren had his own tree. Right. Uh, so I just, I, I don't think he needs further validation. What about you, Andy? Is there any more validation or do you agree with Ross on that? Yeah, I definitely agree with Ross. I definitely think his his innovation, his ability to piece together this offense has been impressive one way or the other. Although he could be, you know, the first one to win a Super Bowl of those two coaches. We'll see what happens this season. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in the fact that what's really impressed me the most, I should say, is we've seen coaches from time to time take philosophies from different backgrounds. And he obviously has some roots in Kyle Shanahan, some roots in Sean McVay. And what he's kind of done is, 
you see this offense that has some of those Shanahan roots, some of those McVay roots, some of the McCarthy stuff that carried over from, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, And then you also get some of the uh, Nathaniel Hackett stuff as well. So you've got all of these different pieces of offenses that have come together. And I even think we saw this in Philadelphia a bit with Doug Peterson is it's one thing to take some of the best ideas from different offenses and try to hodgepodge a playbook together. And it's another to build an identity And what Matt LaFleur has done is he has built an identity with this offense and you have a core and a philosophy and a structure to the offense that has a design and a purpose around it. And now you're taking all of these other ideas and you're putting them together in this offense. That's really tough to stop. You're making things look one way and then bringing it back in a totally different way. You've got plays that run off of one another. They're complementary towards one another. Like everything that you want to see from an offensive coordinator is there and how I ultimately judge coordinators is from an offensive standpoint, I want a handful of plays that you can tell they did their homework and they found out a flaw in the defense and they exploited it using the, the, you know, using the players that they had. That's not something we saw towards the end of the Mike McCarthy era quite as much. It was so much um, revolved around what Rodgers and the playmakers could do on offense and not scheming players open. And then now with Matt LaFleur, you see a handful of times. I mean, how many Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis touchdowns in the red zone do we need to see uh, that are just wide open uh, at different parts of the end zone? And it's players executing, but it's beautifully designed plays at the same token. And that's what makes it so impressive. Well, what really impresses me is to see Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers being able to coexist as great as they have been. I mean, this is, for every Packer fan out there, this is a dream come true. This is what we've all been dreaming when this hire happened was, could Matt LaFleur be on the same page with Aaron? Could they be able to find common ground in a system that's going to work and is going to thrive? You talk about the best case scenario to come out of this between these two guys. I mean, believe me, we were we were all skeptical about it in one way or another as to whether or not this was going to work or could it be at least better than what we saw in the final days of Mike McCarthy. Ross, I just I cannot get over how amazing this relationship has been between LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, especially when, you know, reportedly it started out that Rodgers wasn't thrilled. He wasn't more of a part of the hiring process. Um, I just think that it took a year. And once Rodgers realized that LaFleur wasn't making the game easy for him because he didn't think he was good anymore, he's making the game easy for him because it's beneficial for the team and it's beneficial for him. Uh, Rodgers had to carry so much of the load, you know, with the the 10 personnel on the ISO routes and nothing really being connected to, to one another that when he got into this uh, system that, that really gives a lot of free throws to the quarterback and a lot of easy stuff. I think once he embraced that uh, they, they just got on the same page. And, and as soon as they got on the same page, they became terrifying. I mean, they're the number one offense in the league by, uh, a lot of traditional stats and also by the advanced stats it's they're not all good or, or they're you know what's a top five group they're, they're the best offense in football and frankly they're the best offense in football even though most of the time everybody just complains about their offensive personnel <laughs> they don't have a top tier tight end they don't have OWR two. they don't have this they don't have that well they have the number one offense in football and and, and believe me too like I, I've been fighting it for months that you know I, I look I I admit it like I've been saying on social media quite a bit 
Packers need more weapons. They need more help. Let's go, let's go, let's go. They didn't do enough in the draft. Let's go, let's go, let's go. The Packer offense proved me wrong. Like, I am I am flat out wrong from what I've seen being able to use the personnel that they have, Andy. I, I just, I can't get over it. And again, it all starts with Aaron Rodgers here and the fact that he just, he just gets it and he loves it and he's having fun again. Like, all of that stuff is just, it has just blown my mind and I'm sure it's blown your mind too. Yeah, it's been impressive to watch. And, and just kind of going back to the last question too, I think what made it so work so well is really the, the compromise that took place. And you go back to last season, and I think if Matt LaFleur would have came in and said, listen, here's the offense, here's what we're going to do, I don't think this would have had any chance of working. You know, the fact that he last year basically took the stuff that Aaron Rodgers loved to do with Mike McCarthy and was really comfortable with and said, you know what, about 50% of that stuff, we're going to continue to do. And we're going to make sure you're comfortable. Um, and here are some things that I just want to make sure that we add into the offense. And the fact that Matt LaFleur gave that 50%, first of all, and said, you know what, I'm not just going to come in and, and force this down your throat. We've seen this happen. We saw it happen with Josh McDaniels when he went to Denver for the first time, he just wanted to go in and take over quickly that relationship with Jake Cutler fractured. They traded him away to Chicago. They drafted Tim Tebow. The rest was history. Things can go like, go very sour, very quickly in these type of scenarios. That's obviously not what happened here. So it was first LaFleur, but then give Aaron Rodgers the same amount of credit because then in this off season, Aaron Rodgers at least seemingly came back and said, you know what? I saw the 50% that you did that 50% worked. Well, I'm all in let's go, let's run this offense and let's make it what we want it to be. And I think really the, you know, the four people, the passing game coordinator, Luke Getze, Nathaniel Hackett, Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, all of them getting on the same page and buying in wholeheartedly to this offense and building it and designing it the way that they think is going to be successful. I think that gave Aaron Rodgers a lot of buy-in. He bought in hook, line, and sinker, and you can see the results. And oh, by the way, when you add that into Aaron Jones at running back, Devontae Adams at wide receiver, and a quarterback that you can't fool at the line of scrimmage and that knows basically what's coming beforehand, it is a very, very dangerous uh, recipe for opposing defenses. You know, I'm just going to say this, and uh, I'm not going to get too deep into it, but you'll get my point. It's funny what compromise can do. Like, maybe our country should look at Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur and say, hey, they compromised. Look at the success. Look what we could do as a country when it comes to compromise. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just, I'm going to leave it at that. I don't want to go any further into that. It's not, that's not what we're here to talk about, but I just, I, I just wish there was more compromise period okay one, with you. yeah w- one more thing with you guys and i'll ask you guys the same question i'll start with you ross um you know andy mentioned the coordinators and it starts with nathaniel hackett i mean we saw last week he did a virtual interview with the atlanta falcons you know my spider senses I've, i i i'm just feeling that there's a good chance nathaniel hackett may not be back next year as the offensive coordinator he might just get a promotion and be the head coach somewhere how much do you think, if the Packers were to lose Nathaniel Hackett, does that put any kind of dent in this offense going forward, or do you just promote the next guy and move on? Yeah, I think you you could promote the next guy. I mentioned Anthony Lynn is is a guy who uh, I think is is done a good job in a few spots. Uh, maybe someone with some head coaching experience, you know, with Lafleur being so inexperienced. But there's a lot of guys I think that. Um, uh, whether they're you know offensive head coaches that got fired or uh, you know up and coming position coaches from across the league or you 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 know bump up uh, you know maybe Getzy or something like that to OC and then replace 
him. Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunities. I, 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 it's hard to answer this question without sounding disrespectful to Hackett, but right. it's Matt LaFleur's offense and Hackett helps. I, he's a good football coach. I think he deserves a shot at a head coaching spot. I think he'll do fine when he does, but I just think Matt needs a sounding board and someone that has also, you know, their own individual ideas because Hackett doesn't come from the exact same tree. You know, he doesn't run the exact same stuff or he didn't run the exact same stuff when he was at Jacksonville. I think what's important is that MLF keeps getting fresh ideas from a mind that uh, is progressive and, and, you know, looks into offensive things that are, are, you know, of 2020 and, and of 2021. But I like the idea of him bringing in somebody that uh, maybe runs a little bit different system or runs a different version of his system, new ideas. And, and like I said, a sounding board, somebody to bounce ideas off of as you're trying to game plan for these NFL defenses. Yeah. And Hackett too brings a lot of personality uh, into that locker room. And, you know, with, with all the Austin powers references, I mean, he's a bit of a jokester and Andy, how do you feel where the Packers stand? Do you agree with Ross that if you lose Nathaniel Hackett, it's not the end of the world? I think they can survive it. I would expect Luke Getzey to get a promotion in that situation, him being the passing game coordinator. Um, maybe you don't want to break up the quarterback room, but you know Rodgers has certainly been through that before, and I think he would be probably on board with Getzey getting that promotion to offensive coordinator. Um, I think a lot of the red zone stuff, that Green Bay's had so much success success with has been given uh, a lot of that credit's been given to Nathaniel Hackett and they've had a lot of great success there. So if that's something he's been really involved with, they could certainly miss him there. I do think uh, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network brought up a really interesting point yesterday on Twitter. He basically said so many of these coaches are going to want this, this Kyle Shanahan sort of offense and this, you know, anyone that's come from this Kyle Shanahan coaching tree um, and it could, there could be a fight for coaches amongst these new coaches as to who they can fill out their rosters with. There's three player or three coaches on the Packers roster that I think um, could also get poached besides Nathaniel Hackett. I think Luke Getzey is one of them. It wouldn't shock me if some, you know, somebody made him an offensive coordinator elsewhere. I think that's one that they could lose. Um, Luke Butkus, the assistant offensive line coach would not shock me at all. If he got an offensive line coach uh, position somewhere else. And then Justin Alton, the, the tight ends coach, who uh, Matt LaFleur seems to almost mention on a weekly basis, um, if he got like an offensive line slash assistant head coaching position somewhere, um, that, that wouldn't shock me either. So uh, maybe it's not Nathaniel Hackett, but it wouldn't shock me if Green Bay lost some of these really great coaches elsewhere with all the new coaches that are going to be um, coming up around the league. Yep, I got to think someone is going to be departing this Packers coaching staff, regardless of who it is. If I had to put some money down, that's what I would do. He's Andy Herman of PackerReport.com, as well as Ross Uglum of PackerReport.com. And it is the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. On the other side, we will talk more about this Packers-Rams matchup and look, kind of flip-flop things. We'll look at the Rams offense going up against the Packers defense. I'm Radio Joe. We'll have more coming up next. Border to Border, the Big Show Radio Network. You're only as good as your last performance. So then that's one thing that we, we stress to our guys week in and week out that, uh, you know, what we've done getting to this point when we step on the field on Saturday means, means absolutely nothing. We have to go out and we want to play in the NFC Championship game. we got to go out and earn it. Uh, you know, I think our guys understand that. You know, I, I know they're going to be prepared. And, and as we've, you know, when we've been successful, you know, that's our guys. We're, we're confident because, because of the preparation. And, and uh, I certainly see that continuing this week. And I believe so. 
That's Mike Patton, defensive coordinator for your Green Bay Packers. Welcome back. It's the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. I'm Radio Joe Zenzola alongside on tonight's panel, Andy Herman. You can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL from PackerReport.com, Packaday Podcast, and also from the same platforms. You can follow him on Twitter at Ross Uglum, U-G-L-E-M, Ross Uglum. He is Ross Uglum. Um, and also you can follow the Big Show Network Twitter account. I just want to say a couple of plugs here before we continue and talk about this other matchup. Big Show Network on Twitter. We are closing in on 700 followers. We just launched this at the beginning of the week here with the new network. Please follow this Twitter account. It It is for all the best content that we have here on the Big Show Network. That is where it is. So let's try to get to 700. The other plug, tomorrow, 106 on many of our live affiliates. If you're listening across the state, Packers president and CEO Mark Murphy will be joining the big show tomorrow. So stay tuned for that as well. Loaded, loaded, loaded week it has been. Let's start off, guys, with Jared Goff. So Jared Goff is starting in this game. It was announced today by the Rams. He is going to start. John Wolford is still hurt after, you know, having that, you know, really brutal head injury. Um, and he's still trying to deal with that. He's got the neck, all of it. So Jared Goff is back in the saddle. There's a couple of things here that are not really working well for Jared Goff. Number one, he's got the thumb, which hurts. And number two, he's got to deal with cold weather. Before I get your thoughts on Jared Goff, I want you to listen to what Kurt Warner had to say. Kurt Warner was on our show, on the big show, earlier today, and he talked about this very subject. That, to me, is probably the biggest worry in this game. I think it's going to be a great matchup between Green Bay's offense and this Rams defense, but I just don't know if the Rams will be able to score enough points. Now, if they can run the football again, obviously that changes everything, but if it falls on Jared Goff to have to throw them to a win – uh, I worry about him, you know, that I've played with numerous hand injuries throughout my career. And anytime you go into cold weather um, where you don't have as much strength in your hand, the ball's a little bit more slick, the ball's a little bit harder than it normally is, and you can't grip it the way you want to and control it the way you want to, it is a huge detriment to a quarterback. And so there's just no way, in my opinion, that Jared Goff can be healthy enough or strong enough with that thumb being that he's a couple weeks removed from from surgery and a broken bone we know doesn't heal in a couple weeks Um, and so it's going to be I think a distinct challenge for him in that weather to be able to control the football like he wanted to and last week wasn't nearly as cold and and I thought he struggled uh, to throw the football and for it to come out right and so Uh, that to me is going to be a big question. Can he make enough throws to put enough points on the board where even if the defense comes up with a great performance that they can win this game, I'm just not sure because I just know it's going to be really, really tough in that weather. That's Kurt Warner on the Wendy's Big Show earlier today, and you can check that podcast out at 1250amthefan.com. Now, that right there, all of that just resonated with me today when I heard that, guys. And I'm just sitting here, and I feel like, man, I don't know if it gets any easier than this. Like, I don't know if it gets any more simplistic than this when you're trying to prepare. When you're Mike Pettin and you're going out there and trying to prepare this game, Jared Goff doesn't scare me at all, especially with what's working against him. So, like, my question is to both of you, and Andy, I'll start with you this time, like, if you just contain Cam Akers in this running game, 
I think you're going to be in a pretty good spot here. Like Jared Goff, I'm sorry, just doesn't scare me right now. The great thing is that the Packers literally just played this game on defense two weeks ago against the Chicago Bears. It's, I mean, they do some different things, but basically Jared Goff is a less mobile Mitch Trubisky right now with a bum thumb in cold weather. You know, the Packers wanted to control David Montgomery, just like they wanted to control Cam Akers. You know, Allen Robinson might be a little bit better than what, uh, you know, either the Rams receivers, especially if Cooper Cup's a little bit banged up. The Rams probably have, you know, two better overall receivers, but both like to go two tight ends. I would say similar offensive lines. Like this is the same type of team that, that you just played two weeks ago. And I think you do the exact same thing. You make sure that the running game doesn't beat you. In this case, Cam Akers. In that case, it was David Montgomery. And you make Mitch Trubisky, or in this case, Jared Goff, beat you down the field. And I don't think they can. And I wouldn't be shocked if the, the you know, Rams offense had a very similar stat line to what the Bears offense did in week 17. And I think you ultimately end up with about the same points, around 16, 19 points uh, in this game as well. So I'm also not afraid. I mean, what other quarterback would you rather be facing in the playoffs this week of the remaining teams? I mean, Jared Goff is easily the worst of the remaining quarterbacks. And to me, the Rams are the worst of the remaining teams. I'm not saying that Green Bay can't lose this game, but that's the team you would handpick if you could. Yeah, and again, you mentioned Cooper Cup. I mean, he didn't practice all week. He's listed as questionable with that knee. It doesn't look all that good right now. I mean, Ross, are we missing anything here? Like, th- does this seem pretty simple? Just stop the run and you're good? Uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing that would concern me would be the tight ends. They're pretty good. Uh, Higby and um, uh, Everett are good players, and the Packers historically are not awesome covering the tight end. But That is true. Uh, you know, Jared Goff has been pretty pretty terrible uh really since like the tampa game um he was awful awful against san francisco and i didn't think played very well against obviously their loss to the jets the uh the 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 or either of the two games the last couple weeks against seattle i I just i don't think he's been very good um with all of his fingers and toes intact and you know now he's got an injury situation that that he's dealing with and i just uh, I'm with Andy. I think he's easily the worst quarterback that's left. I, I don't think he's having a very good year. Um, he is hurt. Uh, they're the, the guy that they could use who's, you know, like an AAF or an XFL guy. He's not even available. Um, I they, they didn't like Blake Bortles so much. They played Wolford. I, I just think, you know, you're, you're looking at if you're the Packers offense, in my opinion, I think you just have to get to past 20 I, I don't know as though the rams uh without a defensive score or a special team score and they're worse at special teams than the packers somehow um i don't see how the packers get into the mid-20s into the high 20 or how the rams excuse me get into the mid to high 20s and green bay rolls out of bed and gets into the mid to high 20s so uh yeah i think you you love this uh opportunity for the packers defense Well, coming up on the other side, we will talk more about how you can stop Cam Akers in this game and look at some of the other aspects of this defense that has really stepped it up. I mean, again, you talk about another area that I thought kind of, you know, was what it was. It's totally changed the narrative. It's totally flipped the script. So many guys have stepped up. We'll talk about that coming up on the other side. It's the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Alongside Ross Uglum and Andy Herman, I'm Radio Joe. We will have more coming up right after this. 16 stations strong. The Big Show Radio Network. 
we just playing better as a whole. We're playing faster. Uh, we're communicating well. Uh, we really got into the groove of the season. Up front, we're playing better. Um, in the back end, we're playing better. And in between. So that, that's that's for the whole defense. All of us uh, work off for one another. We're communicating better. And, 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 and our success um, depends on the next man. So I feel like we have to continue that and continue to improve going into the playoffs. I like it. I like it a lot. Welcome back. It is the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. I'm Radio Joe Zenzola. And that was Packers safety Adrian Amos talking about really what's been the key to making this defense better over the last month. And it has been really incredible what these guys have been able to do each week with different tests. And man, oh man, again, you talk about checking all the boxes. The Packers defense has been doing that. And it's to me, it's good enough to help supplement the Packer offense to say that this team can get all the way to Tampa Bay and win it all. Alongside is Ross Uglum and Andy Herman, both of PackerReport.com. So let's talk about some of the aspects of this defense, guys. And, Ross, I'll go back to you, starting with just the inside linebacking core. I, I, I have certainly seen some improvements. I know it hasn't been great, but I feel like for once the Packers have a pretty decent unit at inside linebacker. There's been so many revolving doors with that position over the years, but I feel like they have an okay group here. Yeah, they're fine. Um, and that's all it takes. You know, uh, AJ Hawk was always fine. Uh, never, you know, a, a whole lot better than that. Um, and, and that Packers defense was, was good. Uh, I think, um, you know, they felt really good when they had Desmond Bishop rocking and rolling as, as short as that kind of, uh, was or is, is unfortunately didn't last incredibly long just because of that that injury. But um, it's it's just a defense that doesn't require a, a a dominant group at at that spot, which I know drives fans nuts and drives draft Nick nuts because how many years in a row have, have have people been mocking inside linebackers to the Packers in high rounds and just you know never ever being taken? I think. The one that drove people specifically nuts was taking Kenny Clark over Miles Jack, and but but you know taking uh, even not taking Patrick Queen this year. I, it goes on and on and on, frankly. But uh, yeah, they've been fine. Kamal Martin's been been good. Chris Barnes has been fine. Uh, Christian Kirksey, since they switched positions, has has actually been very good. And it's just not a position that they're ever going to put a ton of stock in. It's way more important to them to have good corner safety and pass rush play. And for good reason. I mean, that's, that's the league that, that we cover. That's the league we play in now, folks. Andy, what about you? Um, we can talk about inside linebacker, but we can also talk about just the improvement from the safety position as well. Not, not, I mean, we talk about Darnell Savage, but Adrian Amos too has been playing really well as of late. Yeah, I'll go back to the linebacker position first. I think, yes, they made the switch with Chris Barnes and moving, you know, Christian Kirksey over. And I think that's when things sort of took off. But uh, behind the scenes, or I guess maybe not behind the scenes, right in front of them, Kenny Clark started pretty much playing dominant football right around that same time. And there's nobody on this team that makes everyone's life easier quite like Kenny Clark can. You, you talk about him. If you want to, you know, single um, block him in the run game, you've seen him over the course of the last month reset the line of scrimmage, get alignment in the backfield. You saw it a bunch against Derrick Henry where Derrick Henry wants to step up and accelerate, get downhill, and there's Kenny Clark with an offensive lineman right in his lap, and he has to kind of readjust. 
So you double team him and you try to move him in the run game that way. Well, you're, he's not getting penetration anymore, but you're using two guys to block him and he's still not going anywhere. And now guess what? Those li- those offensive linemen aren't getting up to Chris Barnes and Christian Kirksey, who since then have had a much bigger impact on the game. And then you talk about the edge rushers and Rashawn Gary, Zedaria Smith, Preston Smith. Well, those guys coming off the edge, if there's no push from the middle, uh, then they're not, you know, they can get home, but the, the quarterback's just going to easily step up in the pocket, still deliver a throw. Now with Kenny Clark, again, playing really great football, he's using, using kind of that slow burn to get back to the quarterback. It's not going to usually be your Aaron Donald one step and, you know, rush the quarterback, but he's going to start collapsing that pocket and it makes life easier on them as well. So he's been on a tear this last month and playing Kenny Clark style football. And that's been the huge thing. And then, you know, really over the course of the last two months, to me, the, the strength of this defense has been the play of the safety. They've used Amos more in some of that Raven Green hybrid linebacker role, um, and I think that's worked out really well. And then Darnell Savage, you can just see the light switch go on. You could see him thinking out on the field, not always taking the best angles. And um, you, you know, you, you've seen over the course of the last two months that he's not thinking anymore. He's reacting and he's, you know, going aggressively to the football and you've seen him get his hands on multiple interceptions. And there's a couple more that, you know, he's had opportunities to uh, pick off as well. He's playing fantastic. And I think the biggest thing with those two is you can tell they trust each other and they're playing off of one another. And when two safeties have that type of chemistry in the back, you know, in the back of the defense, again, that sets everyone else up in front of them well as well. One other aspect of this, too, we'll go back up front with Kenny Clark. A lot of questions, a lot of people want to know about where Snacks Harrison fits into this going forward, depending on how many more games the Packers play. Ross, how do you see Snacks fitting again? Is he going to be a rotational piece? Can they use him more with Kenny? How how do you look at it going forward? Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to play, especially you look in uh, Chris, or excuse me, Kings Kiki for whatever reason is, is really struggling with this concussion issue. You would have thought uh, missing the week 17 game and then getting an off week that, that he would have been rocking and rolling. Um, and that's just not the case. And look, concussions are literally brain injuries. They're not something to be messed around with. So uh, it doesn't mean he's soft. It doesn't mean anything other than he's just not ready to go. And because of that, I think easily your second best run defender on the defensive line is, is Damon Harrison easily. And so he becomes a big part of their early down plan, or I think he should, uh, specifically now that he's had two more weeks in that building to uh, acclimate to the defense. And, and I, he's smart enough. He understands, especially in a situation where he's basically going to be used as a run stuffer, there's not that much to learn. Uh, so I, I think it's, it's important. I, I would love to in, in also get Green Bay into a position where, Maybe Kenny Clark doesn't have to play every first down. Maybe he can be saved a little bit to pass rush. And they can, you know, maybe if they're nickel, they can use a two-man line of, of Lowry and Snacks. Or, uh, you know, they, they maybe run uh, Lowry, Snacks, and Brian Price out there as a three-man line on an early down. Uh, maybe util- utilizing Tyler Lancaster a little bit in that role. I think that he certainly, though, has a role specifically, as we've mentioned, kind of ad nauseum on this show with their primary goal needing to be shutting down cam acres, because if they can shut down cam acres the way, and I think there's a big gap in, in ability right now between cam acres and Derek Henry. I think that's fair to say. I love cam acres. I fawned over him in in pre-draft would have loved to seen him in green and gold, but right now he's, he's not Derek Henry. And if they hold cam acres to Derek Henry's output from uh, three weeks ago, they're going to win the football game. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Andy, if there's one aspect to stopping Cam Akers, to be keeping him in check and containing him, what do you think that is? It's just playing defense the way that they've played defense against Tennessee and Chicago and really over the course of the last month, maybe month and a half. And earlier in the season, you saw 11 defenders out on the field playing individual football and not always being on the same page, not staying within their gaps, not being assignment sound. And over the course of the last month, month and a half, when the defense has started playing better, you can legitimate, there's a tangible feel when you're watching them where they're actually playing cohesive together football, where everyone's on the same page and doing the same things. And that starts with staying in your gaps up front. And I think the defensive line has really set the standard for that. Uh, but you've also seen the edge rushers set the edge better. You've seen the linebackers stay within their gaps. And then even the corners, whether it's Jair Alexander, Kevin King, you know, those, um, those are definitely players too, where, you know, they need to come in and fill their gaps in, in certain situations that that wasn't always happening earlier in the season. So I think it's just everyone really working together. And you've seen that at a much higher level over the course of the last six weeks or so. Well, we will be paying close attention to it coming up on Saturday. And again, we will be making our picks coming up here on the other side of the break, including obviously though, we're going to, give our predictions for Packers and Rams. And I think it'll be very positive. I think we will talk about that on the other side. I'm Radio Joe alongside Andy Herman and Ross Uglum, both of PackerReport.com. It's the huddle served up by Bud Light Seltzer. We will wrap it up coming up next here on the Big Show Radio Network. Wisconsin wide, the Big Show Radio Network. As they say, time flies when you're having fun. And just like that, we're down to our last segment here of The Huddle, served up by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. I'm Radio Joe Zenzola. Thanks for tuning in, Wisconsin, wherever you may be across the Big Show Network tonight. And, of course, joining me here on the panel is Andy Herman and Ross Uglum of PackerReport.com, as well as the Pack-A-Day podcast. So, Fellas, let's uh, let's make our picks here. We're, we only have four games to pick, and we will start in the AFC with Saturday's matchup, a really good contest. Lamar Jackson going up against Josh Allen, Ravens and Bills. Um, Ross, I'll start with you. Who are you picking in this one? I, I'd love to pick the Ravens just to kind of be different, but uh, I think it's pretty special what Buffalo has going on. I think Dable's a brilliant coach. Uh, Josh Allen certainly seems to have turned his career around and – Boy, if they didn't uh, surround him with a bunch of very, very good weapons for him to do so. Yeah, it's yeah, a- 100% agree with Ross. I like Buffalo in this one and definitely think that uh, the, the combination of Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and that Buffalo offense will I'll be, you know, be able to outscore the, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, it's it's a pretty amazing formula, what they've been able to put together, both offensively and defensively, and I've been all in on the Buffalo Bills. I'm taking Buffalo as well, but I think it could be a very close game there. All right, let's go to the other AFC game, and nobody and their mother thought the Cleveland Browns would be playing the Kansas City Chiefs here. Everyone thought the Steelers, it was a no-brainer, they were going to win last week considering everything Cleveland went through, but that was not the case, and that's the NFL. Weird things can happen, but again, Browns, Heading to Arrowhead, Ross, how do you see it? Uh, I like the Browns to cover, if that helps, if that means anything. <laughs> um, I, I think that 10 is is a pretty wide spread. I I, I was just mentioning you know, the uh, all-NFL team that I did for PFWA, and I put a bunch of Browns on the all-AFC offensive line 
uh, including Wyatt Teller on the, uh, he was a first team all pro for me. They're really good up front and Chubb and uh, uh, Hunt are, are good. And I love obviously Landry. I mean, they're, they're just, they're good offensively and Kansas city is not particularly good on defense. Now the chiefs are going to get theirs, of course, but, uh, Miles Garrett could get cooking in the pass rush game a little bit. I, I like Kansas City to win, but I like Cleveland to cover. Andy? Yeah, I like Kansas City in this game. I, I don't necessarily know that I care too much how it goes, but I really want to see a rematch of their Texas Tech-Oklahoma game from a, a few years back where Mahomes threw 88 passes, accounted for 819 yards and five touchdowns in a game, and Baker countered with – Oh, you know, just 564 yards and seven touchdowns on his own. So Woo. that was an all-time great quarterback matchup in college football. I just want to see a re, you know, a, a redo of that. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to be very curious to see if Baker Mayfield can take another step forward because this is a huge moment for him, especially when we're trying to figure out what ba- Baker Mayfield is in the NFL. I am still going to take Kansas City, but it, I, I agree. I think it could be a pretty entertaining game coming up on Sunday. All right, so let's go over to the NFC now. We'll get to the Packers here in a second. Buccaneers and Saints, Tampa heading to New Orleans. Ross, who are you picking? Uh, I, I know, you know, everybody would rather see them play the Saints, and people say it's tough to beat a team three times, but I just think that defense is such a rough matchup for Brady. Um, I, I You know, that's why I think the Saints swept the season series. And I, I think they can do some, you know, weird Taysom Hill stuff if if the breeze drop back passes aren't working. But it's inside; it's in a dome. I don't. The weather's obviously not going to be a factor. I, I think the Saints win a close one. Andy. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay in this one. I just feel like if you look at the football, both teams have been playing over the course of the last month or so. I just like the way that Tampa's playing a little bit more. I think you're starting to see those wide receivers and Tom Brady come together. I think Antonio Brown's starting to make an impact. Uh, You know, Tristan Wirfs is playing just phenomenal at right tackle. I like Tampa just a little bit more. This is going to be my one upset this week. Yeah, Andy, I'm going to ride with you. I am going to go with the hot hand in Tampa Bay. I've just, they have really flipped the script here the last month. And and sometimes that's what you just got to do going into the playoffs. You want to have the momentum. I think Tampa Bay has that, but I do agree with Ross as well that the defense, the Saints defense is going to put up a fight. I think that'll be a close game, but I will go with Tampa Bay as well. All right, so we got like 90 seconds here. Ross, your prediction for Packers and Rams Saturday afternoon. Uh, like I said, I don't see the Rams getting into the mid-20s, and nobody keeps Green Bay out of the 30s. 31-20 pack. Andy. Yeah, for me, I'm going Green Bay. You know, listen, Packer fans, I know playoff uh, football is a little bit nerve-wracking, but save the majority of your fingernails for the NFC Championship because uh, this game is going to be Green Bay. I feel very confident about that. Yep, I, I do too. I And to me, I think if the Packers can put up at least 28, they, they've got this in the bag. Like, that's just how I see it. I'm going to say 28-13 Packers knock off the Rams at Lambeau Field. All right, well, that's it. Andy, Ross, I really appreciate it. As always, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, I'm sure we'll do it again soon. Thank you. Can't wait. Thanks, Joe. And there they are. You can check them out, PackerReport.com. That's PackerReport.com. Andy Herman NFL on Twitter. Ross Uglum on Twitter as well. You can follow the Big Show Network. We have a Twitter account now trying to get to 700 followers. We're very close. At Big Show Network. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Radio Joe Sports. By the way, plug for tomorrow. 
106 on many of our live affiliates. Uh, we will have Mark Murphy, the Packers president and CEO. He will be joining Sparky, Gary, and Leroy again at 106 on many of our live affiliates. Thanks for listening to The Huddle, served up by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Go Packers. We'll talk more about it again tomorrow as well. Same time, same place. You guys have a good night. See ya. You're listening to the Big Show Radio Network. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.